Duppy Media is a Taunton web development business guaranteed to bring your web projects to life. From one-page sites to full e-commerce enabled web builds, Duppy Media can give your company the edge you know it deserves. Call Mark at Duppy Media for e-commerce web hosting, new builds and website additions. You will find Mark's personalised and tailored service the perfect partner for injecting some sparkle into your company's website and at a very competitive price. Visit www.duppymedia.co.uk for more information. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Straight from the Hot Tap. Thanks for listening. If you're listening for an hour's worth of nonsense jokes and anecdotes, there'll be another more normal episode out soon. This episode was tough to plan, tough to think about, tough to record and hard to edit. We put male violence towards women at the forefront of this podcast. We ask ourselves some uncomfortable questions. We think about our role in this endemic and perpetual issue. And whilst we don't offer any radical solutions, I think we at least acknowledge that actions are now more important than words. This may be an uncomfortable listen for some people, but in the maelstrom of comments and testimony from women, all of which were real and visceral and shocking, the one thing that has stood out more than anything else has been the silence of men. Those who have spoken up have typically empathised, but as a way of proclaiming how good they are as people. Or they have cried, hashtag not all men but most have said nothing. Apart from the old tweet, we didn't either, so this is us, speaking up. We don't expect you to necessarily enjoy this episode. If you don't, well, feel free to turn it off and go back to watching reruns of 70s cop shows and commenting on women's sport. If this episode resonates with you, then please comment, share and give us your thoughts. I'm Matt. I'm Johnny. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this, and this is, is straight, straight from the hot So guys, I think it's really important to get the tone right if we discuss something like this. Um, so in order to make sure that we really frame it correctly, I prepared a, a piece based on my own experiences that I think might be a nice way to kick off this uh, particular episode. I know I speak for the majority of not all of the nation when I convey my horror and shock at the recent murder of Sarah Everard. This appalling act has been made even more horrific by the fact that the man charged with her abduction and killing is a serving police officer. Someone who should embody public safety for everyone in the country. Sarah's death has also, and rightly, provoked some extremely difficult discussions about an oft-discussed and rarely resolved issue. Violence of men against women. At its most extreme, this is the street prowling monster the Levi Belfield, the Peter Tobins, and, it seems, this latest incarnation of the predator roaming the streets. However, at its most common is the domestic violence that leads to an average of 140 murders per year perpetrated by partners. This is around 61% of all unlawful killings annually in the UK. I suspect it's even worse in the US, where access to guns means that the impulse of violence can have even more deadly consequences. A number of prominent female voices on social media recently have condemned the response by men to their fully justifiable anger. We have either been silent or we have protested our innocence under the hashtag NotAllMen. 
When editing episode 8, by pure chance, the chit-chat at the start of the recording, which was neither scripted nor intended for public release, provided the context for this episode. We were discussing an annual dinner some years ago where we all got together at Christmas, apart from Matt's who wasn't invited apparently. I've removed details that can identify the person we're discussing. He was a school friend and sports teammate. Save for being socially awkward and not blessed with a dazzling wit and intellect, he was a friend, a good guy. He had a girlfriend briefly back then, like most of us. He did fancy the girls that were rather crassly described as out of his league, but being honest, other than being a little bit hot-headed, I never personally saw anything that I would now regard as unacceptable in his behaviour. On leaving the cosseted and privileged environment of an independent school, many of us found it hard to adapt to the real world. I personally found the transition to university difficult. It's a lazy stereotype to assume that private school kids are entitled and overconfident. Some are, I'm sure. But where these institutions do a sterling job in preparing you for many things, they do not adequately give you the tools to effectively fend for yourself. Personally, I survived and eventually thrived in the unfamiliar world. This particular individual, by stark contrast, struggled to adapt and quickly struggled to forge his way in a world without the advantages of qualifications, nor, as a son of a military family, the benefits of an easy route into work. Ironically, given the current news, he became a police officer. He contacted me ten years ago, and being honest, his behaviour worried me to the extent that I tried to help him. Others also had a similar experience. Anyway, listen to this. Was that around the same time that... James imprisoned his girlfriend and threatened her at gunpoint before being yes. arrested by the police. Yes. Wow. Me and Laura received some very freaky messages. Um, Did you? Yes. Yeah. Recently. Like recently. Re- recently. Like recently. Yeah. 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 Well, like from, he, from the man in question who yeah. just mentioned. Yes. A man who was fired from the uh, London armed police squad. For, for being too aggressive. I think he does too many roids, to be fair. What, what was the message? Well, he's quite obsessed by one of our friends who shall remain nameless um, right. and who's, who actually we're not in so much contact with anymore. We, we haven't <coughs> spoken to her for ages. Not at all. Not at all. Obsessive me. messages like, have we seen her? What's she doing now? What's her Facebook page? What's her Instagram page? Really? Really God awkward damn. and slightly pornographic. And uh, yeah. So if the first message is, when have we seen her? How is she doing now? And then the messages just get progressively more awkward. Yeah. What does that actually look like? Because that me. seems a pretty awkward beginning. Did, did you get any dick pics? <laughs> no. Oh, my oh, God, no. I would be scarred for life. Please forward this to your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might have deleted it. <laughs> I might have... P.S. Hope you're well. Yeah. Best regards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Warmest regards. Warmest, Warmest regards. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I don't think uh, think about it because I've I've deleted them because I was just like you um, crackpot weirdo. Yeah, I think it just start no formalities. No, hi Sarah. You know how you doing? Really? It was just li- like, um, have Trace you seen so and so recently? No, <laughs> I haven't seen it for like 15 years. <laughs> Go away. Um, and then Crazy. I thought by not responding, it would encourage him to not message, but then he did. So that clearly didn't work. Shit. Yeah. So... Oh, wow. So, well, anyway, um, life, life can take some dark turns, as we all know. 
In the last 10 days, I have, I confess, been forced to confront a disturbing reality about men's role in the assault, intimidation and abuse of women. Twitter has been inundated with testimony of women from all quarters of society detailing their experiences of assault and intimidation. How they fear the darkness, how they take precautions when leaving the house. How their adolescence was pockmarked with the stains of catcalling, inappropriate messages and comments, and at worst, rape. These comments came from the old, the young, the single, the married, the gay, the straight, and filled my timeline alongside the predictable pleading of hashtag not all men and the ham-fisted and at times downright offensive victim-blaming that seems to dominate discussions relating to male-perpetrated violence toward women. I, I confess, did what I usually do when reading about things I find unpalatable, box it off in my mind, tell myself it's what other people do, and move on. And then they found the body, and then the picture started to appear of the man at the centre of the police inquiries. And then I listened to Sarah and Laura on the podcast discuss their recent encounter with an old school friend, and suddenly it struck me that I am part of the problem. When I listened to the clip I just played, four things are shocking. Firstly, we all knew about this individual's tendency towards inappropriate behaviour and, frankly, the stalking of women. Secondly, that we are well versed in the language of abusive behaviour, the false imprisonment, the sending of unsolicited dick pics. And thirdly, that we treat it casually and jokingly. And most disturbingly of all to me, the last point was the ease with which Sarah and Laura talk about it. It's as if it's normal, as if it's something that just happens when you're a woman, as if it's something to block out and move on. I could personally name four people who I can say with reasonable certainty are a danger to women. None of them fit with the stereotype in their heads of the seedy, dirty pervert flashing at people in the street. I'm going to name them because I think it's important. If people listening feel like they recognise themselves in the descriptions, well, good frankly, they may listen, they may not. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I and every man listening needs to think and reflect on the way this applies to them. And it will apply to us, every fucking one of us. Johan, you were heartbroken when your relationship ended in 2001. You definitely saw her as somebody that you could settle down with and start a family. I have no idea why she left you, but afterwards, rather than reflecting on it and dusting yourself down and moving on, you stalked her. You'd come to my office in London under the pretext of having a drink, and then you'd follow her. Once she confronted me when you were in the toilet, and she told me about how much you scared her, you convinced me that you just wanted her back, and that you'd changed and she told me how frightened she was by your behaviour. I'd like to think that I set you straight, but being honest, I'm not so sure. We lost contact soon afterwards. And by the way, some of the stories you used to tell us about your nightclub conquests now feel very creepy. You're a good-looking man, charming, and you preyed on women. I really hope you've changed your ways, and I wish personally that I'd done more. Kieran. We used to joke about your transformation from mild-mannered, slightly awkward chap into creepy Kieran after a few drinks. We'd laugh and I'm ashamed to say, egg you on when you made a beeline for the most drunk girl in the club. When you used to try to separate her from her friends in the club, we'd occasionally pass comments. But we'd also tease her friends when they came over to ask us to do something about our creepy mates who was harassing their friend. I'd like to think that we eventually would pull you away. And I remember you once getting violent when we did this. I remember you once getting asked to leave by a bouncer because of complaints against you. But we were not there every time and we did not escort you home. We never, to my knowledge, discussed your behaviour with you the next day when sober. Phil. 
You masqueraded online as a professional cricketer to set up liaisons with girls behind your girlfriend's back. We used to enjoy the stories, to be honest. You were always charming and good-looking. You had an easy, non-threatening manner. You had no intention of being the nice guy beyond the point where you'd had your way. I'd like to think that you knew when no meant no. And I'd like to think that you neither scared nor coerced girls that you had sex with. But I wasn't there. I remember you ghosting and blocking once you'd had your way. I'd like to think that I told you it wasn't the right thing to do, but I doubt I did particularly effectively. I certainly found the stories interesting and very much a contrast to my settled and married life at the time. And Mike, you were a senior manager with a good job. You had looks to envy and were a very popular member of our social circle. When your girlfriend left you for somebody else, you totally lost your mind. I can definitely understand the despair and the betrayal that you felt then. All relationships have two sides to the story. I understand that. But I also remember you passing intimate photos of your ex around the pub. I remember you telling me about how you threatened your girlfriend and about how you'd forced her to give you a blowjob as a last sign of defiance and retribution. Payments, if you will, for a broken heart. I'd like to think that I told you to apologise and that it was wrong and not appropriate and that you should seek help. You're married now with children. I hope you've reflected on this and made it right. So we as men know who these guys are. We know what they look like and how they behave. They're amongst us. We don't know how they think or why they do it, but it's not the surprise to us that we profess when we write hashtag not all men. We might sleep easy in the confidence that it wasn't us, but we know who they are. But what about our own behaviour too? I personally have never raped anybody. I've never cornered or coerced or drugged or stalked. As a husband and father I have, I'd like to think, a lower tolerance than some for the insidious behaviour of others. As a rugby coach to over 30 women, I've definitely had more exposure than most to women, both gay and straight, and I hope better insight than many into how our attitudes and behaviours impact on others. But then I've also regarded no as the first stage of negotiation. Have I also, within a long-term relationship, made my partner feel uncomfortable about my physical demands? Well, yes. I could argue the case that I've had my needs too, but that doesn't excuse my behaviour. Did I, as an undergraduate sports person, behave in a way I'm now questioning? Also yes. I need to be better. So, men. We need to step up and call this shit out. We need to ask questions of each other. And we need to be prepared for conflict. We need to own this. Yeah, it's really powerful stuff, Matt. I really, I, I, I really like yeah, it. Yeah. And I think that asks some really interesting questions that are obviously very important. And I think that it's, uh, it's really interesting because, you know, the, the, the reality is that probably it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing to have to think. But how many people that you know have either gone through this kind of abuse or perpetrated it? And the truth is, I really don't know. I just know that I know a lot of people who have done. So, Lou, as 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 a, as a woman, what 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 does it make you feel when you hear that? Actually, I was really shocked that you actually called out some specific examples and some actual guys who you know who did that. But for for women, it's really I well personally, I find it a really hard subject to talk about because it's just the accepted norm, and it's just something that we've grown up to accept as just normal behaviour. So. You know, you would not go out walking in the dark on your own. Um, you, could, you just wouldn't because it's just too risky. And 
if you weren't with a group of friends, you wouldn't go out sort of to a pub or a club on your own. And it's just, for me, it just highlights lots of occasions in my life when things have happened or people have said things or things have things have been done. And because it is an accepted norm, we just don't bother telling anybody or don't bother like raising it as a big issue we just go oh god yeah and then last night that happened and that was really shit anyway moving on you know and there was an instance actually this week at work when something quite inappropriate was said to me and I sort of just brushed it off and I didn't say anything and it really pissed me off actually but I thought well what is actually the point of saying something because mm. it wouldn't do my career any favours probably would be brushed off and it'd be this massive thing that would stand against me. So that's, that's that's sort of how I view it from my point of view. Which is shit, really, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah, God damn, What, what yeah. about Johnny Josh? I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have both had a, an opportunity to reflect. You know, you both are in relationships. Johnny, obviously, you've got a daughter as well. You know, what, are, what have been your thoughts? I agree with what Lou said. And I think we've got to appreciate that this is this is the situation we're in um and and how unacceptable that is and and how you know it's a it's a it's an imbalance in society you know it's it's one thing saying you know some hashtag whatever but but there is a fundamental unbalance here that needs to be needs to be addressed and and i think i think blokes need to massively listen and matt what you said on that on on your on your tape there really resonated with me in, in a way that I hadn't really thought of which is that you know we need to actually speak up and and take take matters into our own hands when we see our people immediately around us just acting like dicks and you know we need to actually sort of speak up about it when you know I you know have personally just been guilty of being a dick or being massively chauvinistic or you know and, and not let that actually prevent the conversation and and listening listening to what is being said and, and 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 accepting it and and thinking about how thinking about it rather than just denying it. Question to to, to both of you, and and Matt, if you're if you're still on the call, um, have you seen or do you know people who have behaved in a way that would now cause you for some concern? Yeah, I think so. I think so. A bit like you know you were saying and you know you especially I suppose when we were a lot younger when I suppose there was more you know nowadays don't really obviously don't go out right now at the moment but um (laughs) but nowadays you know going out is is having a few drinks with maybe one or two other people or or Mm -hmm. dinner with couples or something like that you know but I think when you think back to you know when you'd go out with in larger groups of guys and on those kind of nights out where where you'd be with with a bigger group and seeing other bigger groups and sometimes the interactions between guys and girls and stuff i yeah you i definitely yeah i mean you, as 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 lou was saying it's this kind of it's almost like this accepted norm and and also it and it was it, it kind of self perpetuated you know i think it does and that's what i think what it needs is to for that to to stop sort of being the accepted norm you know obviously it needs mm. this discussion you know you hope that the, the extremity of the case with Sarah Everard was a disturbed person 
committing a murder, yeah. right? I mean, that is yeah. obviously in a massive extreme. But the way that it's opened up this conversation is really good because I think it requires guys to 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 speak to each other and control each other yeah. because there is this uh, this sort of um, th- th- there's a sort of group mentality that allows this sort of conformity to take place. Mm. And if you yeah. if but it does take someone to say no, that's not how you do it, and and it's not cool to kind of treat mm. women in in that kind of way it's actually much cooler to to be someone to treat them well and to to be trusted you know and i think that's this this is this is a huge benefit that that people are having this conversation and it's important for guys themselves of all ages to really address it among themselves but one thing i would say i think on a positive note i don't know if this is true but i i'm I'm sort of i I feel that there's some of the younger generations are, are so I don't know because they're open and because they've kind of grown up mm. in a more I, I'm, I'm sort of hoping I don't know if this is true but I'm hoping that perhaps you know there is a greater sensitivity um towards mm. towards women and maybe there's a different there's slightly different behaviors on these sort of nights out I don't know but mm. I'm I'm hoping so and also I don't know I was obviously going back to you you guys with daughters you know it must be very mm. th- this must be quite a poignant conversation I don't know I, th- I think personally what what I found really difficult to think about is you know we talked about on the in that recording of the people that I've seen and people I've been friends with um, where I've seen behavior that's that, that's pretty poor um, and and some of it you know frankly could have easily boiled over into something a lot more, a lot darker than just a love lawn X or or somebody that's a bit of a player do you know what I mean um the thing that I found really uncomfortable is thinking about my own behaviour and how I guess I I no point have I ever really thought deeply about the impacts of my actions on others. Um and you know, I'm a I'd like to think I'm a good guy. Do you know what I mean? I I can't remember any incident where I, I, I you know behaved in a way that's that, that's upsetting towards anybody. Um but you know, I think as a, as I was fortunate, I was, you know, University of Warwick cricket first team. You know, back in the day, I was in a group of, of lads um, who were quite eligible, I suppose. You know, we were sort of, you know, minor celebrities within the, the sports uh, arena, if you like. Um, like Fits, good looking, you know, had the chat and all the rest of it. And... I think we set an, an example, perhaps, to, to others that it was okay to to behave in a fairly boorish way. So, I have the I'd like to think the self control as well as the emotional intelligence to to know when my behaviour is crossing a line. But I'm also setting an example to people who perhaps look up to me as a role model, whether it be it you know my children <laughs> or people I maybe influence as a sports person in that situation or as a rugby coach whatever it is that, that, that mimic that behavior and, and and perhaps don't have the the, the skills to, to deal with the fallout you know um i think that's what i find really hard to, to rationalize in my own mind and again i think it's also like at what point do you do you intervene so i remember really vividly and, and it'll be interesting your take on this as well so i remember sort of being 12 13 whatever it was at, at school and you know i had loads of girlfriends and um I didn't really see girls as anything other than, you know, classmates and playmates and so on. And then I, I remember really vividly sitting in a in a in a biology lesson of all things, ironically, and just being completely transfixed by 
the fact that the, the girls around me were going through puberty, you know, becoming women. I was just, I suddenly noticed, I suddenly felt this, this surge of testosterone or whatever it was, um, that, that kind of changed, changed my, the way I viewed, viewed women. And like, I think, you know, in, in the environment we were in, perhaps it was maybe more nurturing or what, but like at that stage in a, in a boy's development, like it must be really important, I think, to embed good behaviours. This whole current situation has sort of brought it all up to the forefront of everyone's mind and especially mine. And, and you know, sometimes in the past, I really wish I'd been braver mm. and said something, you know, when something uh, inappropriate happened or been said, I wish I'd kind of stepped up and actually been heard. I'm not sure by mm. who, mm-hmm. um, you know, but like maybe my silence has led to that person going on to do the same thing again or mm. say the same things again or and then it escalates and then some poor woman at the end of the line <laughs> gets yeah. you know something truly horrible happening to them but mm. you know it's about bravery and standing up and also who's actually gonna listen and do something about it I'm not actually quite sure but there's, there's a certain amount of guilt about it as well, you know. Yeah, you shouldn't feel guilt guilt about that. Johnny, as a, as a father, how has this last couple of weeks impacted the way you the discussions you'll have to have with your daughters at some point? Yeah, it, it's made me it's made me think lots about it because it's made me think lots about about the, um, the um, you know because of the sort of conventional sort of wisdom of right. This is what you need to teach girls to be safe mm. on on the streets, and you know maybe you know, this is a rape alarm, and you take these precautions and do this and that, and 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 that that's just you know it's kind of crystallised for me just uh, how how f- fucked up it is that 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 is something mm. you 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 teach a girl this. Yeah, it, it has to be right. Yeah, and 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 it's like and and what you know what what we what we need to be striving for is that you know women are not um, treated with contempt and the subject of, mm. of, of violence. Unfortunately, you can't you can't get to that place straight away because no. You know, so so, that, so so you know in recognition of that, guys now will we'll cross the street to make it clear that they're not yeah. non-threatening and non-predatory and and it's like well that. You know that's good here and now, and that's something you can do here and now. Mm. But but deeper down, you, it, it needs to sort of come. I don't know. It, it comes down to respect and, and listening, and listening and understanding, and, mm. and, and sort of d- deeper values. You know that, that I think. You know that I think get sort of baked in early on. Matt, like you're saying about, you know, not not so seeing women as objects and sort of conquest and all these sort of like lad culture mm. type aspects. That yeah, I mean, you just I mean, I, I know when I was at university, I didn't didn't really think think about these things mm. you know I objectified women I I sort of did I got drunk and all this sort of stuff and mm. and it's like hang on just be just be more mindful about what you're doing yeah all the time I saw it massively when I was at uni which is the yeah. same time as you guys um and we just saw it as the norm but I mean mm. for me luckily I was part of you know the rugby group the ladies rugby group and we were sort of set aside as don't mess with those girls Mm. (laughs) you know but I actually saw it from the rugby guys the cricket guys the football guys that happening to Mm. other women Mm. and I mean I've kind of been 
lucky really to be, always be part of a ladies rugby group and kind of we get left alone because, <laughs> a little bit because they're like yeah don't mess with them yeah I remember going out years and years ago you know with the big you know these big groups of guys and you know we would have been in Taunton when we were there and we were at school would have been in London and a really interesting thing that I, I never kind of questioned at, at that time, but I think it's really interesting to remember now is that at the time I was absolutely terrified of, of the opposite sex. Mm. I was absolutely terrified of them for, 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 for two reasons. Firstly, I just assumed that I wasn't good enough to ever have a girlfriend, right? Really? Jeez. I just, I just assumed, I remember looking at myself in the mirror one evening mm. and going, you're going to go through your entire life and never have a girlfriend because you're not an attractive person. You're not physically good looking and you're not mm. charming or cool. Like all the, like, like the good guys are. So you're just going to mm. have to accept that you're never going to have a girlfriend. Right. Mm. And so, and I was, it was a very sober realization. I think I must've been about 17. And at the same time, I also remember going out with a lot of blokes and very much like I never had the courage back then to ever initiate any contact with the opposite sex. And I just assumed that I'd be shot down and, mm. and humiliated by them and embarrassed. So I think that I, it was very different when I was at school because mm. at school, I had lots of female friends from an early age, but and I never really saw them in a kind of uh, sexual light. I just saw them as friends. And when I went out, it was completely different because I just assumed that I'd never have a girlfriend. Yeah. I just, I saw every member of the opposite sex as someone who could humiliate me or threaten me in some way. Really? And I think that that, yeah. And obviously like that attitude changed, you know, because mm. I, I grew up and, and, you know, I'm not saying it was right for me to think that, or mm. it was even accurate, but mm. I do remember feeling tremendously threatened because, you know, a woman can humiliate you in a way that a man can't. Yeah, and so I remember just feeling like tremendously threatened by by the opposite sex. Wow. See, I had a I had a, a slightly opposite experience in that the thing that that really stuck with me, and and to a point, you know, still does in some respects. I think it applies at, at work as well in a in a different way. I used to watch the dickheads get the girl time and time again, and I found that really uncomfortable, and um, I I still do to a point, you know, and uh, you know, again, like. Lee, what, what 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 was your experience of that? Yeah, uh, some some of the women who I know, one one of my best friends, in fact, sort of gravitates towards um, the bad boys, um, and there's something quite appealing about that to mm. them. <laughs> mm. um, but you can kind of sit back and watch all these mm. awful things unraveling, and uh, you know, two of my best friends have been with questionable guys and you know you can give advice and stuff but you know once you once you're in the middle of it mm. there's there's sort of no <laughs> no convincing you otherwise yeah. but, you know you don't have to be you know a, a, you know a, everybody's attracted to bad boys you know be and, mm. and by the way it works both ways the other way around mm. because uh you know there's a there's a lot of male friends i know who are attracted to women who are just not sane people you know uh <laughs> mm. so do you know what i mean and like so yeah. we, we all like a, a rebel a bad boy or whatever mm. and a lot of it comes from how we were brought up you know yeah i think the one thing that it, i wish i could say to my younger self because josh you're absolutely right you know we're 
you know, we're now, you know, in our early thirties, and you know, we're not our, our social lives maybe aren't perhaps what they used yeah, to be. Yeah, now we're now we're yeah. now we're thirty. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, the gloves are off. Yeah, the gloves are off. And it's absolutely. time to get serious about our lives. It is you know, absolutely. So. But, but I, 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 I wish I had a drink down at St Elmo's recently. You know. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I wish I was less conflict averse, and I wish I was more prepared. Um, back then to to actually say what I should have said because we know who these guys are I've said this before you know the 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 the, the thing the, the clip I played of the conversation the other day that guy has been a dangerous women now for 15 years um and no one will ever do anything about nobody it. will ever do anything oh. about because 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 frankly they're scared of him right that is he, scary he's yeah. a violent person just to interrupt you and just yeah. to prove the point mm. right that you're making uh We'll never name him mm. on this podcast because that would also be violating the the kind of societal thing that's put in place. But is that is that a bloke code, or is that because we we are a little bit scared of this guy? I'm not scared of him. You're in America, mate. Maybe, He's definitely yeah. going to turn up at your house with a tire iron, probably, mm. but probably driving a police car. Yeah, so you, <laughs> you'll trust him at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You'll mm. he'll arrest you. And then yeah. he'll drive you out to the uh, Nantwich Moors, and the car will pull over in a in like a, a dirt road. No, he'll just dump you on the Peacock roundabout. Exactly, and he'll go like, <laughs> yeah. "Man, I heard the podcast." And then he'll he won't dump you though. He'll he'll take his time with it. Yeah, and then he'll go. He'll go. Are you a, Matt, Are you still aware that I'm still a member of the Metropolitan Police's firearm squad? And then you'll go, "No," and you'll go, "Yeah." In fact, I carry a gun with me at all times. And then he'll go to the trunk as you're watching and he'll take out a pistol and he'll sit in the car with you with it. And he'll go, I heard this podcast. You know, you know how that goes. Right, yeah. So, yeah, like, joking aside. I'm not joking. Like, that, that, that's, that's got to be the message, hasn't it? Yeah. That's got to be the message, hasn't it? It's got to be the message that in, you know, I played rugby. Johnny played hockey. Josh, you played played rugby. Obviously, cricket as well. Within those groups of twenty, thirty lads that go out, you know, those one or two, which thankfully is a small number still, yeah. that, that we know, we know are dodgy. We know are creepy. We know have misogynistic views. We need to be prepared. We need to pass on this message to to other men to say, you know, take a fucking smack in the face if you need to. You need to you need to be on record and say this is not how we treat women. Yeah, but also yeah. it's about it's about women not being conflict averse as well. No, but I think I think you're right, and I think it's about mm. it's about it's about it's about you know there's there's still a perception of you know a, a woman pouring a pint over a bloke's head in a pub being some sort of bolshy you know entitled woman, and you know there's definitely that there's there's a there's 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 so much sexism out there, unfortunately, mm. that, that you have to wade through to, mm. to get to get to this, to get to a, to get to a, 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 you know the place we all want to get to. Mm. And I just think that some yeah. of these characteristics, of, you know, it's not just about this within this one context. I mean, these kind of guys mm. we're talking about are probably they 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 might be disrespectful, sort of jealous, angry, um, mm. frustrated in other you know, in their general psyche. Yeah. Mm, so yeah, what, yeah. what we need to sort of recognize that there as well.
it's basically the whole sort of mental health thing in general and, mm. and also, yeah. you know, to, yeah, to, to see these signs and it's all, you know, about communication, acceptance and just general respect. I mean, if you're the sort of person who, you know, is going to, is respectful to other people and sensitive to other people and how they feel, mm. then you're less likely to be that kind of guy. Do you know what I mean? So I was in, I was in a, in, in a, in a meeting like five years ago now, six years ago. And it was, it was an all guy meeting, right? And all, all testosterone in the, in that room. And um, we had a break in the middle. There was about six people there. We had a break and we on the break, we started talking about like, what did you do at the weekend? And <laughs> this one guy said well you know we were talking this one guy said across the table he said he said yeah i went to a hooker party and um and we were like oh really he goes yeah yeah yeah. i went to a hooker party and i was like we were all like just quite quite surprised because someone else has said you know i've gone hiking someone else said like i did a a vietnamese class and this guy goes I went, to a party. Yeah, I went to Athens for a coffee. I went to Athens for a coffee. This guy said, I went to a hooker party. And so we started asking him, so what? what is a hooker party? He goes, on Friday evening, uh, I got in a private, I, I got in someone's Gulfstream. We flew to Las Vegas and uh, we went to a, a hooker party at, at one of the big hotels. And, you know, it's just a lot of hookers there. And, you know, and he goes, look, I, I'll show you some photos. So we're like, okay. So he hands his iPhone over to us. And the first 50 photos are basically images of basically like women either naked or t- almost naked, right? And like tr- people drinking champagne and, you know, you can imagine, right? Just, and it's picture after picture after picture after picture, right? And, and then, you know, the meeting carried on, the, the, you know, and we gave the phone back. And uh, like an hour later, we walked out of the room and we're all i remember we're, it was almost pre-uber and so we're waiting for our cabs and this other guy said i just want to say something weird does anyone else get a bit uncomfortable back there and we all agreed we all said yeah and actually that guy made us feel a bit mm. uncomfortable and i actually felt a bit uncomfortable and um yeah, it was kind of like not cool what he was talking because he'd been telling us about the hooker party and mm. what happened there. And obviously, I'm not going to go into details on this recording, but and we and and we basically said, yeah, we all felt really uncomfortable. What do you do about that? Because the guy was quite an important guy, right? And so we all just there's that element of boasting. Yeah, no, it was so yeah. boasting, right? And because <laughs> he just he wanted us to, he wanted us to know that. He'd been to a hooker party and did all this stuff, right? And about his, that's what he does on his day off. And the funny thing is, and I always remember like feeling like, wow, I know I'm not like that. And I don't, I don't want to think, I don't want people to think I go to hooker parties, right? And so I know I must be a bit different to that. I'm not an angel, um, but I must be a bit different. And years later, I ran into someone that knows this guy. And I told them what had happened. I told them this anecdote. It's the second time I've told it. And they said, and they looked at me with this weird expression. And they were like, he didn't go to a hooker party. And I was like, well, no, he told us. Yeah, he told you, but he didn't do that. His wife would never let him. And I was like, <laughs> what? He's, like, he's been married <laughs> oh, for like, brilliant. he was married since he was 23. He, <laughs> she doesn't let him out of the house. 
<laughs> right? And I suddenly realized it was all bullshit and that he he wasn't mm. in any of those photos he showed us. And I, I, it did occur to me at the time. And I just realized, no, he just wanted us to think that because... That he was that kind yeah, of guy. Because that, because he, that was his benchmark of being sort of... Wow, because cool. that, that makes Alpha. him really yeah. cool. Exactly. Yeah, right. But then, of course, but what message does that send that? It sends to people who mm. regard that individual as a role model. You know, you think, right... Everyone who heard yeah. him say that didn't like what he had to say. Mm. Made you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like, felt uncomfortable. A bit of a prick. I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely think again before I go to a hooker party again. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. You got that pampas grass in your garden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny, Josh, you, you know, you're both in in relationships. What have your, your your other halves said to you about the last couple of weeks? To be honest, not that not that much. I mean, we we haven't sort of discussed it so much, but I mean, at the same time, I suppose it's we've had similar conversations in in the not you know not in the, obviously in that context, but in the, in the mm. past. And um, there are loads of creepy guys out there, or, or guys mm. who will try these creepy methods. And I think one of the other media, you know, mediums for this is social media, right? So, right, yeah. you know, which I think I was, I, which I was kind of thinking about in in a wider context, anyway. But, um, but in terms of this this weird platform that I think also perpetuates what we're talking about, girls so often get these, which doesn't happen if you're a guy. They get these direct messages from guys mm. just out of the blue. They've just sort of been browsing loads of sort of Instagram profiles or Facebook, and then they decide to just message out of the blue. Sometimes, yeah. you know, possibly relatively in a sleazy way, but obviously it's always uninvited, you know. And I yeah. think that is something that girls, you know, deal with, and guys don't. You know, guys guys right, dish yeah. that out, yeah. or certain guys, yeah. and girl, and girls have to deal with it. And it's it's it. There are these so, there are such big differences in how in these interactions that we mm. i guess we don't get you know mm. um but I, I think the why the wider thing about social media was you know it's it's almost like it was invented or the impression of what things should be like uh, what women should be like and stuff mm. so it was almost like kind of invented from a from a male perspective and has since kind of grown from there so many people on, on social media thinking that they have to to look mm. attractive and post these sort of sometimes quite suggestive pictures and sometimes it's like you know, this is girls who are too young to be doing stuff like that for a start. I just don't think it's a healthy kind of way to obviously get likes, but they think they have to look a certain way in order to do that and to be validated, etc. That in itself is kind of part of the problem. People, certain girls maybe think they have to display themselves that way, but then obviously yeah. it, it's it's a kind of construct that was developed probably by some guys who mm. decided what this should what should happen several decades ago, and then. Oh, yeah. um, and then obviously it just fuels it just fuels it because then they'll get mm. exactly they'll get some sleazy guy direct messaging them um uninvited and and then mm. and it all just keeps going you know um i think it's it's just interesting speaking to yeah to my girlfriend and others about how yeah this this whole direct messaging thing and the mm. sort of power of social media as well as obviously on the street as we as we know as well so yeah yeah johnny how about you what you know what have, what has been your experience it's prompted a load of stories and and people to sort of speak up a bit more about it in our social circles and you know it, it definitely you know shone a light on the spectrum of issues that can lead to yeah. serious domestic violence and right, yeah. and how to be wise to some of the early early signs of it you know and yeah. and, and just to 
try and be as as empathetic as you can you know to, to the whole situation we're an age where couples that, that, we, that we went to weddings of you know are getting divorced and stuff and, and mm. these are traumatic these are traumatic things in in people's lives and uh, you know i think i don't know this is platitude but it, we just need to be more mindful about about yeah. about mental health and i think there are people who are naturally predisposed to being being aggressive predatory people for sure but mm. there's also you know there's there's also you know conditions to sort of like either intervene you know to to, to be brave and to try and you know actually yeah. sort of like show some show some tough love i hate that phrase but you know actually you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but actually do, do something because you care about that person and you don't want right. them to do something that they're really going to regret or you, or you feel an obligation you know you, you feel it's the right thing to do or or, or mm. just sort of like you know reach out and just you know find out how everyone's how everyone's doing yeah that, that really yeah. resonates with me actually yeah yeah I think I think we I think we underestimate the power of intervention. So 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 Lou, you remember this? That, yeah. a, a, a friend of ours, um, she was in a difficult relationship, and I think you know, like like most relationships, you don't you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You you yeah. know that people are very good at presenting a, a particular image to, to the outside world and so on. Yeah. Um, anyway, we we were in a in a public front on. Right, yeah. So we were in a restaurant in, in Nantwich for for my birthday actually. If you if you no, it wasn't it was the end of season, wasn't it? it was the end of a rugby game out in town having a, having a curry could go for some beers and um the boyfriend of one of our closest friends um he he behaved in a very inappropriate way and uh, our other friend nick um he he took exception to this individual's behavior and um under no uncertain terms told him it was wasn't wasn't right and he was not to do it again and he ought to leave and that was the end of that and um, it, it precipitated and it, it created a chain of events that that, that, that resulted in our, our friends getting out of what was likely to become a very unpleasant and, and potentially abusive relationship. Was, I think, actually already a bit of an abusive relationship, but she hadn't was actually, it really? actually yeah. voiced that to anyone. Jesus. So there you go. So our friend Nick, you know, because he he, he took the initiative and said yeah. what well, probably... You know, Josh, Johnny, myself, we, we we perhaps might be in a position to to, to to do in the future, or may have been in the, in that position in the past. Need to do that and not be afraid, not be frightened of the consequences because the consequences yeah. aren't us. You know, they're not. Yeah, but it's yeah. not just a man. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I I could quite easily have said to our friends, yeah, and, and her <laughs> partner, this mm. is not okay, and I could have said it mm. weeks, months beforehand but i didn't mm. because i just didn't feel brave enough yeah yeah and you know lou this is the situation you found yourself in as well without your friends taking initiative that that could have ended badly for you couldn't it yeah very badly <laughs> mm. it kind of ended badly anyway uh mm. in one sense but yeah um that's not that's not just women that's men no no well. god no i mean yeah i mean i was in a in a, in a very difficult relationship, you know, in my teens that, that, you know, became quite abusive in some respects. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate because I went to uni and... Was that with you and your being... hand? <laughs> 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 
yeah, it was. Mrs. Palm and her five daughters. Yeah. A cruel, a cruel mistress. <laughs> she just doesn't know when enough's enough. You know? I was fortunate with that, that I had the, the kind of, the, the kind of enforced distance, but it was amazing how the, the psychological intertwine with the physical, you know, but in that situation, you know, she was threatening suicide. She was, you know, she pretended she was pregnant at one point. It was some, some crazy ass stuff, you know. Yeah. And it could had I, had I not had the enforced separation of university, ended up with my life taking a very different course. You know, what I found staggering at the time was nearly all of my close friends, you know, the guys that I was hanging around day in day out, um, said, yeah, after the event when I got out of it, they all said, yeah, she was bad news. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Maybe you should have said that six months ago. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah thanks for the heads up. Yeah. It's one of those exactly. weird taboos. You know, no one ever tells you. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, exactly. Mm. But yeah. That takes us to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. As we said at the start, we don't profess to have a load of answers. But if you take away one thing, men, speak up, call it out. Be prepared for conflict. And to everybody, try to understand the signs, learn about coercive control and the patterns of abuse that are well documented, and don't hold back. It is better to upset someone now than attend their funeral later. This week's shout-out goes to Somerset Survivors, an amazing charity dedicated to supporting the victims, including the children, of violence and domestic abuse in the home. I've put a link in the show description, and please support them if you can for the wonderful work that they do. This was straight from the hot tub.